Welcome to the Prickly Pear Podcast, an arts-based podcast created by Blue Cactus Press. In each episode, we chat with creative people at the crossroads of artistic media. I'm your host, Christina Butcher, and today I'm chatting with the wildly talented and lyrical poet, Robert Lashley. Robert joined me at the Hugo House, a place for writers to read here in Craft Words here in Seattle, to record this episode. Robert, thank you so much for coming out today. I'm so excited to just have this conversation with you and hang out. I'm very glad to be here. Thank you. Um, I first heard your work, heard about your work through Sam Snook Brown in Tacoma, another local writer. Uh, but for our listeners out there who aren't familiar with your work, would you mind telling them a little bit about yourself? My name is Robert Lashley. I am the author of the Homeboy Songs and Up South. I, tr- I try to, to quote James Baldwin, be an honest man and a good writer. I am a published poet. I also write plays and wrote a novel. Um, I, um, I, 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 I struggle um, to, um, uh, to, to kind of, um, uh, I struggle with a lot of things. Um, outside of, of art, but I, well, with art, I, I can synthesize a lot and, and put things together. Nice, nice. Uh, I think it's kind of fitting that you opened with that because one of the things that I'm obsessed with right now as a publisher is talking about those things that we struggle with, those parts of ourselves that we don't talk about out loud usually, like addiction and anger and frustration and depression and mental health. There's just so many parts of ourselves that we don't show anyone anymore. We're just so curated, especially online. We just live these highly curated lives. Yeah, that's very true. Um, and it's a damn shame <laughs> that we that we pretend we're these put together uh, little like creativity balls that don't make messes. I think. I one of the things that I've really had to work on. Is, and especially in the last few years, is how to hide. Mm. Because I, for the longest time as a writer, and for the longest, for almost, it almost goes back even deeper than that, but mm-hmm. like, like I, I really struggled to, um, to fit in in regards to scenes because my work like was considered so different and it would make so many people in sheltered circles angry like i was i wasn't supposed to talk bad about hip hop i wasn't supposed to talk bad about the church i wasn't supposed to um i wasn't supposed to um um uh, I was supposed to be a respectability politician and not be so pro LGBT, and I and or and on the other side, I was I wasn't supposed to talk about race, and I wasn't supposed to, um, and I wasn't I wasn't supposed to to quote unquote be profane, and I, or I wasn't supposed to quote unquote ask questions about certain. Certain certain belief systems and certain aesthetics that that people in 
in in local canons and local scenes had deified, and I just and I just became feeling so alone and feeling so exhausted mm-hmm. that I that I and that I just was a, so that for the longest time like just like I I hid because I didn't like I wanted to to have that writing where I could show those th- those expressions of myself to show those to show those that um to show those 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 kind of honest aspects of myself and I just and I knew I couldn't do it and be a public figure a public poetry figure interesting so what did you did you pull back from your public persona or how did you deal with that I kind of had like in 2017 um, I kind of I had 20 shows and 10 of them were interrupted or by either poetry figures on either one side of the aisle or the other side of the aisle who had expressed, who had interrupted my reading to express a certain offense. Holy moly. And it got to, um, it got to a point where like in, in like October of 2017, mm-hmm. when, um, when, when, uh, when I was having an argument with a, 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 a local writer uh, about his opinions about interracial dating, and like I told them that you know I'm mixed, and my mom is very sick right now, and I just, I just like I gave up. It was like I can't be around this. Mm-hmm. You know, this is just I don't understand the sort of like delicate bubbles that are social media. Mm-hmm. I'm like I'm, I'm like I'm trying to, you know. I had my book was a bestseller, and I had an obligation to go on the road to sell it. And I just told my publisher I can't be on I can't be on Twitter anymore. Mm-hmm. This is painful. Mm-hmm. And so I hope that answers your question. It does, yeah. So it it sounds like you had to um, basically self edit yourself right out of the equation, and then you were just like, "Fuck this." Yeah, I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. Fair enough. Yeah, I think that's a very uh, logical reaction. Well, one thing I don't self-edit is poems. I, <laughs> I know that now, yeah. <laughs> Actually, my first uh, introduction to your work was 13 Ways or... 13 Ways of Looking at a Motherfucker in the Club. There it is. 13 Ways of Looking at a Motherfucker in the Club. And it was read uh, by Sam Stuck Brown. He's got that gravelly, really like weighty voice. He does. And I just fell in love with the honesty of your work. It's, it's incredible how much of yourself you give on the page. Have you always been like that as a writer? I had to be, I had to be prodded when I started. Mm-hmm. When I, st- I started writing in, uh, poetry in 2016 and 2017, I was having health issues, and and my aunts and my uncles were worried about me. Mm-hmm. And one thing to convince them that I wasn't going to go to the mental hospital or hurt myself mm-hmm. was write a write a write a book of poems that were dedicated to them mm-hmm. and dedicated to the neighborhood. And because my uncle Mo was such a poet. 
And I kind of learned, I had a resin of understanding from being around him. Um, so I just kind of used that resin of understanding as a sort of a base. So I just wrote, um, just I wrote from the, my rudimentary, rudimentary understanding of poetry at the time. I just wrote odes to my community, mm -hmm. um, and um, and my uncle was was my uncle Mo was 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 born 1920 um, in the Valley in Mississippi, a place called the Valley in Mississippi, and he was. He was he was the first poet in our family. He was one of the most educated um, uh, uh, people, self-taught people that I've, I've ever known. And he made poetry seem so alive. He wrote nine poems. He was he was very aware of of poetry scenes at the time when he was as a young writer. He really struggled because he had. Um, he was, um, he had, he, um, I mean, he and my grandfather and my grandmother had, were, all, were, 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 were stationed in, in South Fort Lewis okay. in, the, in, in World War II. And they, um, they had given so much of their themselves to the war mm -hmm. and to this country. And, and especially my Uncle Mo who was very sensitive and he to come back to see that he couldn't like his his in his own words he didn't he he didn't have ten percent of the rights that Ezra Pound did for slandering it mm -hmm. and he like he was kind of my base as a writer mm -hmm. um, and so I just wrote these poems just wanting to be honest about my community. And I and they and I had and I had workshopped them at a at a place called um, Poetry Night in Bellingham, mm -hmm. and I didn't understand workshopping, but my friends would help me with the, with the poems, and they, on um, and they just had they had an impact. They were very rough, but they had an impact, and I had a lot of pressures to be um, to be this sort of kind of, you know, something other than myself. Mm -hmm. I had pressures to be kind of the sort of respectable, uh, uh, a kind of a respectability politics poet. Mm -hmm. And I had, I had several friends who would convince me, who would, who would try to tell me, you, you know, you know, you don't have to be that. You can be your honest self. You can you can mine the blues of of you, you can turn you can alchemize the blues in your life and the Amen. art. Amen. Yes, and I'm so grateful for them. Like I kind of I kind of minus the cocaine and the misogyny, I kind of felt like Richard Pryor. <laughs> Noted. Thank you. Like I like this like the 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 the, the poems of the homeboy songs. Mm -hmm. They. It was like a seven-year period where I, where they were, they were my apprenticeship as a writer, where I, where they kind of started as sort of slam poems that ended up, you know, with me trying to convince the reader that I'm okay or the listener that I'm okay, mm -hmm. and I had so many people in my life that that said. You you don't have to be okay. Mm -hmm. 
that and one of and like like a, a lot some of them a few of them few of them famous in the poetry community, Jack McCarthy, who was very integral in me trying to get, um, trying to trying to develop my own voice, and I'm so grateful for him. But um, but there were a lot of other people as well, and just that kind of like this the sort of evolution as a writer to kind of be as honest as possible about growing up in Hilltop in the 90s. Mm-hmm. And when you say Hilltop, am I correct that you're talking about Hilltop Tacoma? Yep. Okay. The Hillside Terrace Housing Projects, 23rd and G. I really like the way that you describe your book as a sort of apprenticeship to poetry and um, to being honest about yourself. I think that's a really beautiful way to look at a physical representation of the things that we're struggling with Thank inside. Um, would you mind sharing some of the work or a piece of work from your book? Sure, I'd be glad to. Um, I'll, this, I'll read this poem. It's, um, I was in the third grade, and I was asked um, what I wanted to be when I grew up. Mm-hmm. And my answer was Whitney Houston's, Houston's husband. And I, this poem is in her memory. And this poem is after W.H. Auden's In the Memory of W.B. Yeats. And it's called Funeral Blues for Whitney. One, on the day you found what we were missing, a skinny, hungry, thugged out young boy stopped dead in front of a boombox. Ones were froze. Crap games almost deserted. Hood niggas disfigured by public statutes were transformed by the sound waves of you back in the day. On you and your instrument, we young thugs agreed you were wonderful back in the day. And far from our projects, little homies dreamed you an evergreen forest. Ghetto nerds were transfixed by radio plays scattered over a thousand stations. Scattered, squared, to a thousand more affections immediately and all at once. Immediately, every time we heard you and called ourselves to be better than we were. Immediately, as we dreamed to be something grand, if not grandiose, if only to win your heart. If only then you would scheme up some shit to unearth our sword from our gravel stones and win, win you, and live happily in your kingdom but the magic dust ate you alive. Two, Earth, receive a troubled guest. Whitney Houston is laid to rest. Let this Newark vessel lie emptied of our dreams. For in the nightmare of the dark, all the mask we had of your majesty ate your face. All our refusals to look into your blackness have blinded and scarred our eyes have turned to brown ash all our crystal-strewn pedestals in a parable of genius and dust. And now you hang in memory over us, our lady of chemical and two human sorrows, trapped eternally in a crystal cage, only free in the shadow of Sirius, only free in fleeting notes and electrons of youth, love, and limitless potential before yours turns slow to a curse. That was uh, Funeral Blues for Whitney. Thank you so much.
That was lovely. Thank you. I, um, I, I always get asked, like, um, well, I don't get asked that much. But when I was an open mics, I would get asked all the time, like, like, what was the music that you listened to? Like, because, because I was a DJ. Okay. And my DJ name was DJ Brooke Shields because I had big ass eyelashes. <laughs> I was just going to ask you what your DJ name was. That's a good one. And when I tell them, thank you, when I tell them, you know, like the music that I listened that I listened to when I played at the time was Luther Whitney and Anita Baker. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of conversation shut down, and like, like one of the things that I was the currents I was going against is that there's a very there are very easy boxes for cis straight black men to be in mm-hmm. if they're going to write about the hood. Um, and I knew that I could not write, if I was going to do this, mm-hmm. and I knew that if I was going to be honest, I knew that I could not write in any of them. You know, it's interesting that you say that. I was at a talk of Hanif Abdurraqib's in Albuquerque this last January, and people kept trying to put him in a box musically. They were doing the same thing. They were like, what are you listening to? How do you feel about trap music? Da-da-da-da this, da-da-da-da-that. Just trying to kind of gauge and kind of put him on a spectrum of hip-hop, of good hip-hop to bad hip-hop and new versus old. And after a couple questions, he was like, look, we are all just a product of our age. We all think our music is the best music. We all think that our music is the right music. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, listen to the new stuff. Listen to the old stuff. Enjoy what you enjoy. But, like, ultimately, like, it's all good. Or it doesn't even matter. You yes, know? exactly. It doesn't even matter. Yeah. Exactly. And... Hanif got me into listening, got me into Carly Rae Jensen. Oh my God, I'm in an ongoing debate about Carly Rae Jensen right now. Oh man. Like, I, I, like, I, don't, like, I don't know the, the sides. Like the sometimes yeah. when I get into listening to other genres, uh-huh. like, I'm like, I, I have to make that thing like, like I, I don't know the sides, but I think this, this, like I heard a few songs and they're very catchy. They are catchy. I will give her that. Yeah. I will absolutely give her that. The um, so I, I but I, I realize that like, I, I don't, I know what I know and I don't know what I don't know. <laughs> I, um, when I first, the like the first three to four years that I started was, was was where I was really trying to fit into the slam poetry format, mm-hmm. and I um, and like I was I was trying to do that, but I was also there was this part of me that just kind of was just screaming to get out. That there's this part of me that just demanded that these that I make these certain things that in my mind that I demanded that, that, that demanded that I make these certain things art mm-hmm. that just couldn't that that just that just really that was just so was almost compelled to just work and work as a writer and study mm-hmm. and study and just kind of do 
kind of carry on what I saw my uncle do. My uncle, uh, my uncle only finished nine poems, but he because he was he he had he was he was an alcoholic and he had complex PTSD. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he worked and he worked and he gave, and I just had this this, and I still do have this this just this, this 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 thing this. That's forced. That's almost beyond me. That demands that I give the people in my neighborhood the best effort mm-hmm. that I that I that I can. Mm-hmm. Because it's like I just I I saw so much loss and I saw so much pain. Like like I just I feel like that I have an obligation to 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 kind of. Like, give give a lot of people a certain happy ending. Like, Interesting. Like I'm, I, like my uncle, my mother, my, and my aunts, and my grandmother. Like, like my successes are a product of their love and also their faith in me to take advantage of the chances that they didn't have. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the thing that keeps me going as a writer is to just kind of to keep to to kind of to keep trying to honor them. So when you say that you're trying to honor them, is in my head it seems like it's twofold. On the one hand, I think you just standing up and and allowing your creative work to be a part of a larger artistic community and giving voice to your neighborhood is like paying homage to them. And on the other hand, you're saying, but you also want to give them a happy ending. Um, and like the like the happy ending isn't isn't necessarily positivity all the time. Okay. It's the happy ending is a sort of the idea that you know, there's a lot of tragedies in the theaters of my mind. Mm-hmm. From my grandmother, my mother. Uh, to um, so some of the closest friends I'll ever had, and like I write, um, and in 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 the homeboy songs, I I change names and I write. I've re- I've written a lot of eulogies. Okay. In here, and I am, um, um, and I, um, and it's my way of. And maybe the happy ending ending is is the wrong word. Maybe it's like one of my favorites, um, my, probably my f- like one of my favorite mythical figures is Antigone, because mm-hmm. because like 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 she was like like she felt like the, to me she was like the most hood character. I mean, like she like she <laughs> like she wasn't like performatively nice. She just but she but she had a heart because she like because she. She just, she just wanted, she just wanted, she just wanted, her, she just wanted her family, you know. Mm-hmm. She just wanted, she just wanted her fa- her brother and your family to be buried right. Mm-hmm. And I, um, and I, I like I. Sometimes it's hard for, for like for me to 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 quote unquote go in conventional poetry places mm-hmm. because. Um, Without pissing people off, because all of their villains fed, like all of their villains fed me. 
All of them, all of those, all of their villains made sure that I had uh, closed, make sure that I had had a, had a house over roof over my head, and like I was like, I, um, and so it's like I can't help but but go against certain grains, mm-hmm. um, but um. But I just have to be honest as a writer. Yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. if you, I mean, half the time when we're writing, we're writing for ourselves, yeah. right? We're just lucky enough that we're able to convey it in a way that other people can hopefully resonate with it. But if you can't be honest with yourself when you're writing shit in your notebook, in your journal, at home, when you're writing your dreams down, or just getting stuff out, then like, what the fuck's the point of this, right? Yeah. What's the point? And I realized that. That, 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 and I realize I'm not for everybody. Mm-hmm. Like, I write in Up South, I believe in God, I just don't like the nigga that much. <laughs> um, I, um, you know, I write about getting kicked out of, out of, out of church camp. Mm-hmm. Um, I write a lot of things that, um, there's, a, there's a lot of drugs in um, these two books. Mm-hmm. But there's also, you know, there's also, I, there's also like a lot of humanism and like absolutely and yeah. I um, so I just try and I but I always try to be open to, to things and I open mm-hmm. and I just 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 to, to be open to new writers and I am um, yeah well I think that comes through in your writing as well and I think there's this really lovely marriage in your work of lyricism and this sort of play between um, colloquialisms that we use nowadays and uh, these beautiful figures from ancient literature and plays and, and classic literature and um, like you were saying Antigone is somebody that inspires you and there's also a lot of stuff in Up South about Sisyphus and you just you name drop all these old wonderfully rich um, classic Thank you. characters that you know um we read about but have zero connection to when we're going through secondary education. Um, and so it, I would say it, you've done a really amazing job like breathing life back into these um, texts, you know? Thank you very much. I'll, maybe this will be a good time for me to, to read it. Uh, Lay uh, it on us. Yes. Please. Let me find them. Um, Sometimes you know I like you, know, you I like to fuse like you were talking about like I like to fuse street and um, uh, 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 street and old school um, uh, uh, old school mythology. Mm-hmm. Um, you know this um, this came this came from this 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 came from mythology and smoking that loud. Um, the I may or may may or may not have been uh, faded when this poem happened. <laughs> Because you can't remember, or you're not going to tell us. There are only five. There are, there are five. I plead the fifth. F I F fifth. Um, to quote, um, to, to quote Tron Carter from the Chappelle Show. Um, um, so, like, I was, I was, I was at the, I was at Dyer Street Seven uh, Eleven. If it's, um, and I see this old man. And he's, he's shaking a little bit. He has to shake. He's, mm-hmm. he's like, and like I've seen people overdose. I've seen my father overdose. And it looked like he was like about to have the shakies. And I go outside, and 
I look at him in the middle of the parking lot, and the first thing I noticed was his beard. Mm-hmm. And it was like, it wasn't like to the ground, but it was like th- like six inches o- like away from it. And it was blindingly white. And I'm like, damn. This was like some sort of like steampunk street theater thing. Like, I don't know. <laughs> and I, and so I look at him some more. Mm-hmm. And he see the, and the like, I look at, at I had thought he was carrying two bags. And like he was shaking because he was trying to carry these two bags. But they weren't bags at all. They were wings. They were black sooted wings with just layers and layers and layers of dirt. And I'm like, wow, this must be uh, like a uh, Tacoma Actors Guild thing or I'm just really lit. Well, and the the Tacoma Little Theater is right next door. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I was just in that 7-Eleven this morning. Um, So like I was... So I was, I was, I asked him, you know, you part of a production? Like, what's your name, brother? Mm-hmm. And he said, my name is Icarus. I'm 300 years old. This poem is called Icarus Asked Me for Swisher Sweets at the I Street 7-Eleven. I did not see her in flight or mourning. I did not stand her harps or trumpets or anything in my getting up day. I traded the dreams we made on the ground for my dream to be a god in the sky. It was a gilded Gethsemane. Hell is immortality without a net. Immortality is a moon that never sets after a million Sunday suns. What was more important to the clouds to my zest for joy unseen? What unseen Lord lineated my wings and made them more important than our broom? What made them more important than our leaps through earthbound walls and beams? What in the light was far more desirable than the beads of sweat in our dreams? Once we solved our scars on the ground, the fields that moved from space we tided and stole away from lashes and bounders. Once we stilled the weevil from stole away hours, it made nothing more important than our clay. Once we spun and made a world, and then I flew away. Why, boy, why should she have not kept moving? My funeral band should have been dusted. My procession better off bared and emptied in a taxonomy of heartbreak and loss. A mourner's row of upturned plots for living graves of swords and shields. Hope brought her no feathers and ruby red fields and memory gave her no balms. Why should she mourn me in the memory of flight and my rails meant more than her arms? Yeah, that was Icarus. Thank you so much. I was just reading that. I swear to God, I'm not bullshitting you. Last night, and those two lines on the bottom of that first page are like ingrained in my head right now. Why should she have not kept moving? It's it's like, I, it's, it's this, it's, and to be to be a little more serious, like the idea was, it's the, like, like, like what does freedom mean? Mm-hmm. Whether if you if 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 it's me if it's an absence of love, 
What does freedom mean if it's stuff? I think to not to try to 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 be as less to to try to be as least performatively woke as possible in saying this uh, that it's I I think that um a lot of dudes they and including black men um they confuse freedom with with getting stuff instead of being human and recognizing other people's humanity and 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 and, and um, it's 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 something that like you know with that I try to I try and show and not tell and not expect cookies in my actions sometimes, but I, I'm very mindful of that. Um, it was one of the things that, you know, that messed my father up. And I try to, to be the, to try to be the, I do my best to be the opposite of who he was. Sorry for the interruption, but we wanted to give quick thanks to Hugo House, a resource and education center for writers located in Seattle for graciously allowing us to record our podcast in one of their cozy workshop spaces this afternoon. Check out hugohouse.com to learn about upcoming writing workshops, readings, or opportunities to utilize their comfy writing spaces when you're in the neighborhood. And let's not forget our sponsor, Oaks and Alder Day Spa and Apothecary. Oaks and Alder has a beautiful salon space filled with plants and textiles and, yes, an actual apothecary. Spa offerings include massage, facials, natural skincare products, and bulk herbs. We are regulars at Oaks and Alder, and we can't recommend it highly enough to our friends and listeners. Now, let's get back to our bomb-ass interview. Do you think uh, a sense of, like gathering things and and the ability to be a consumer are so wrapped up in our national identity that it is really hard to separate out consumerism from freedom. And I, I recognize there's freedom in the ability to participate in consumerism, right? And, uh, but I think you're very, I think you are, you're dead on that. We often mistake those one one of those things for the other, and they're so different. They are. They are very different. Um, I I like living in a crack infested area gave me a very healthy hatred for late stage capitalism. Mm-hmm. Um, because you just you you saw it untethered, and you saw people's cruelty to people, mm-hmm. and uh, and you saw. Um, like what happens what what happens when people think nobody's looking at them and mm-hmm. they can get away and the, and the things that they can get away with and the idea of one of the reasons that I wanted to write about a community I wanted to write about write about and with without 
without kind of without kind of assigning myself as a voice of a community. Mm-hmm. Like, I, but one of the reasons I wanted to write about the kind of the multifarious aspects of the, of a community was that um, in in the kind of the guise of getting stuff, like in regards of the person, like 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 in those kind of those kind of capitalistic um, dynamics the person who has the most stuff always ends up looking like the winner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when you say community, are you talking about a physical community or like a community of people around you or both? Or could you maybe expand on a that? A mixture of both. Okay. Um, uh, and and it, with, with, ups, with, with, with the Homeboy songs, mm-hmm. it, was a, it was almost exclusively about a certain, like a strip of land, between, between, um, between, between, between Sprague, and, um, and and um, and com- and commerce. Okay. And the kind of, and like between fifteenth and fifteenth and Sprague, and and like twenty fifth and commerce. Mm-hmm. And, um, and kind of. The, the 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 sort of the sort of the, the area where um, that had that that Tacoma had obsessed about mm-hmm. for the longest and the area where it was for for a for a long time that that it wasn't where it wasn't safe mm-hmm. but and for an, but for an area that that for all my life like Tacomans of all stripes could not stop talking about whether it be whether it whether it be respectability politicians whether it be you know kids coming in from the suburbs and trying to reinvent themselves as gangsters whether it be uh, people from the Tacoma News Tribune wanting to quote unquote heap like this these respectability politics narratives and on 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 my on my neighborhood and the people who lived in my neighborhood and like that just almost felt like this sort of this sort of just continual shame circle it's like 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 this happened in your neighborhood you are somehow lower like you need to like 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 how dare you live here and it, and it, it would always end up coming back to shaming single mothers and it would just that one of like like when I wrote, like when I wrote, and 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 like, and just all of them, the narratives just felt like I felt invisible, and I felt like the people that I saw um, were invisible in these narratives, and so I just wrote about them. About some narratives about some of the people that I saw, and I was wondering if I could read you a couple poems. Please do, uh, and you know I think Tacoma is still grappling with this obsession with hilltop, mm-hmm. except now they're using it as sort of this like beacon, like ooh, look what we can do to your neighborhood too. Look at it go. Look at the building going. Look at all of the the commerce we're bringing in. Look at all of the link extension. This and that and this and that. And the people in Hilltop are like, you are still not helping us. No. You're just coming at it from a completely different angle. 
I, you are absolutely right. Let me, you are absolutely right. I will read you a couple of, um, of, uh, of, of poems. Um, this, this poem is called 23rd Street Anthem, or How to, Sur to Survive a Crack Spot in Six Easy Stanzas. Be smart among the crystal corpse arrival. Be tough among the fire and fires past. Expect no peace or mercy, just survival. Keep swiveled head when all heads blow and vile. Know among the ruins you come last. Be smart among the crystal corpse arrival. Give them nothing that you consider vital. Give them nothing for another blast. Expect no peace or mercy, just survival. Ignore their demented whines of petty trial. Steer clear the runs of terror that they cast. Be smart among the crystal corpse arrival. Ignore the lasting horror of Doughboy Isle. Leave its beach of sorrow, madness vast. Expect no peace or mercy, just survival. Ignore the dope runs down the concrete aisle. If you cannot, then fate comes swift and fast. Be smart among the crystal corpse arrival. Expect no peace or mercy, just survival. Now, with this poem, a surface reading would be like, oh, he's, he's, he's criticizing crack. Oh, he's, he's, just, this is, he's being a conservative poet. He's one of us, one of us. And my answer to that was, to those people who say that is, who's they? Who's they in this poem? There were no millionaires in Hilltop. There was no extensive drug trade and people making money and there were no quote unquote you know you know trap houses with luxury cars the they is the white folks in the suburbs who would constantly constantly look at me and look at uh, young kids and look at just anybody around to see if they could party like the they were they were, 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 were running this economy, were, were the engine of this economy on the, in, in like in the fucking hull of this neighborhood for, for so long. And like, and, and the people who, who were trying to live and were trying to, had to, had to, had, to, had to pay for it. That doesn't mean that I am going to write bouquets for the 23rd Street Hilltop Crips. I threw a party when Diamond Bird and his homies went to jail. I don't like Prosecutor Mark. I think Prosecutor Mark was, um, has shown himself to be unprincipled when it comes to uh, many other things. But I think that in regards to like this, this narrative, this sort of, you know, this, this narrative that the Crips were just these quote unquote downtrodden, um, downtrodden, downtrodden young men 
um, you're not, I'm not going to be, I'm not, I don't really care about that that much because there were, they hurt a lot of people and they hurt a lot of, and, you know, I don't agree with everything that the Hilltop Action Committee has, the Hilltop Action Committee and the Hilltop Action Network has done, but I knew why they had to come into being and I knew why, and I, and I appreciate their presence because it had to stop. Mm-hmm. Like the Ash Street shooting, I, I struggle with it because, you know, I think of, you know, my father had relapsed at the time. Mm-hmm. And he was in, he was in, he was in a, he was in a den um, uh, two streets down. Mm-hmm. And I was at a, an arts camp and I was at a, an acting camp and I had and I was and I and I was late to go home that day and if I was on if it was a different day or if my dad was in in the den with his homies either I or he would have been in the middle of that so it was I struggle because I know you know I work hard to be a good person and I, and I work hard to you know take responsibility for my life and, and try to be ethical I also know like my father ran a series of debts in Tacoma that that he couldn't pay mm-hmm. and he ran a series of debts on me that he couldn't pay. He did that's on my mother and that's on my grandmother, but in just that group that he uh, that he ran with, the sort of you know uh, knuckleheads and the sort of the sort of coterie of junkies who kind of um, junkie men who surrounded them. Um, I. Uh, I still think about that. Like people will tell me, like, you know, Robert, I, I don't hate you. I'm trying not to be angry at your family, but your dad strung my dad out, and it's like I can't be, I can't be, I, I can't. Like I know you're successful, and I know that you're, that that you're a beloved figure, but just like. I just, they'll tell me, like, your dad sent my dad to hell. I hear you. I hear you. Thank you. And I process it, and I've processed it a lot coming back, and um, I I was gone for a long time Mm -hmm. because it was was just so much to process. And, like, um, I've been been around Tacoma more because of, of Fab Five and the Fabitat. Um, mm-hmm. Kids who they've and um, and I've seen I've seen what you're talking about in regards to the kind of cultural erasure of uh, of what um, of in in Tacoma I I saw it um, on Mother's Day last year mm-hmm. I was going to like you know um, like it uh, like. 
the 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 apartments, the condominiums that used to be Hillside Terrace. There is still that little park that um, that it, that that was made as a sort of a, a memorial. Mm-hmm. And I went there for the first time in seven years. Are we talking about People's Park? Not People's Park, Not People's but Park. On, on the, it's on 23rd and G. Okay. They have a small little memorial. There's, there's a few of them. In, in People's Park has a memorial. I know there's one on 6th. Mm-hmm. I know there's one on 19th. Um, and uh, and I went there for I went to the I went there for the first time since it had been gentrified. Um, and that was a fuck. That was a fucking shock. Like because like I was going there to cut. It was it was, it was my first Mother's Day without my mom. Mm-hmm. And uh, I interrupted a bunch of rich, rich hipsters getting high and playing basketball. And uh, and kind of in a certain. And I was in an emotional state. Mm-hmm. So I wrote this poem, and I'm still working on it. Um, uh, and I, to, to, you know, to, to not lose my, my shit. And this is, poem is called Hillside Terrace Memorial Commencement Poem, May 13th, 2018. The adults left are men, the men left are boys, and the children were already dead before the alabaster got sighted. A duplex broke, then built as iron blobs serves as pews for weekend gangsters. Porcine middlemen ride electric hogs with little booming systems, blasting sack soccer dad OG calls that scatter Saturday double Dutch crews. The memorial houses neither spoils or victors, yet startup soldiers patrol the blocks as the boys of months of summers here walk in natty proofed ruin. Dirt and white collars seek initiation, circling like ships in dirty air harbors, yet so many people have drowned here. And so many still flex and sell their bags they paid in Amazon traps. No eulogist or lover left be, left be above commerce. Everyone is jonesing for their lines. What in the aspirant layers of hill ground makes men after men sit up and trip here? What sets from crypts to commute cuz blood remodeled upon remodeled stolen land? What lights rob people of their memory in this red line gilded gourd. I'm still working on this one. But it's like it was kind of like me processing and like 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 oh this is like oh you know um like I understand people moving and, and I, I try to give I try to give people little bits of leeway. But this just to see like like I felt like 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 the people's my my history, like my 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 home. The only place I really felt like home was made into a theme park, mm-hmm. and it was like it was it was made into a like gentrification makes makes sort of the sort of the neither edges the darker edges of gentrification makes black life and black agony into a sort of hipster theme park. Mm-hmm. Well, it sort of creates a sense of novelty. Yeah. Right? Yeah. When did you leave Tacoma, Robert? I left Tacoma in December. I, ha- I left Tacoma. 
I left, I had two exits from Tacoma. My first exit from Tacoma was when I was in, when I was, when I was 14 and a half. No, when I was 13 and a half. And my mom had won a, won a case against my father and could, had full custody and had, um, and had, uh, and had won a um, and had won a restraining order against him, mm-hmm. so that I had I had moved to University Place afterwards. The second time I left Tacoma was when I was twenty three and a half, and I was and I was an alcoholic uh, freelance writer mm-hmm. who just needed a, 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 a needed I needed a change of scenery, so I went to Bellingham. I also recently identified as an alcoholic freelance writer, so I feel you. I didn't move to Bellingham, but I cut my ass off of alcohol, so. Hey, none but respect. (laughs) Um, You leave so much of your life on the page. Are you ever, do you ever struggle with deciding what you do and don't want to share? Now I do. Um, When... When, and I feel comfortable in sharing this. A few years ago, um, when I was um, when I was in very, very, in a very tragic place in my mind, um, I had decided to. Um, in order to kind of make penance for the suicide attempts that I had made and the close calls that I had made in regards to overdoses and uh, really um, kind of being having to be resuscitated twice, I, I thought that one of the things that I could do was to talk about some of the things that had happened to me in order to, um, in order to make people, in order to kind of process it myself publicly, and also to let people know that going through what I went through wasn't a death sentence. Mm-hmm. And the thing that I'm beating around the bush is that my father repeatedly sexually abused me for six years, and. I, I, th- I thought about writing, talking about that, and, and writing about it. I and I and, and just talking about kind of struggling to kind of for health, mm-hmm. um, and trying to, and I know that I, the people said that I had helped them. By talking about it and just saying and just saying and letting people know that it's not a death sentence if you get therapy and get health help. What that what what also happened was that you I had um like eight or nine poets who eight or nine straight male poets who would um, who dis- who had deigned me to be like they had called me a sex worker but they wouldn't say sex worker 
Hmm. And and it's I wasn't surprised at this. I um, it's one of the reasons why I don't go in to to a lot of readings around um, the area. Mm-hmm. Like s- some of these poets have made public videos where or and public poems um, where I'm referenced as and that was painful absolutely and um, I um, and it's and I just I don't regret um talking about it when I needed to talk about it. And I don't regret talking about it now because I trust you. Mm-hmm. But I just don't know that in how many other times when I'm going to talk about it. And I think, I mean, of course that's completely fair. It's such a fine line, I think, within ourselves, of figuring out with with the idea that we don't owe art our trauma, we don't owe anyone voicing these things out loud, right? Like this is all our own decisions. Um, I think we w- we can walk such a fine line between naming something out loud and thereby taking some of its power away from us and giving it back to ourselves on our own terms. Yeah and re-traumatizing ourselves or putting ourselves in an incredibly vulnerable position in an incredibly inappropriate place or not inappropriate in the sense that we are, we are unprepared to sometimes deal with our own reaction to voicing our pain or our trauma or our experiences on a stage in front of people into a fucking microphone. And... Um, Sometimes the only way we learn that is by doing it and doing it wrong or doing it really realizing like, oh, fuck, what have I just, <laughs> what have I just um, announced publicly to the world, to my peers, to my bosses, to my friends, to my family, to this stupid coffee shop at this stupid open mic? Like, I, uh, I, 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 I've, and I, I. I've I've processed that a lot. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons why I quit Twitter mm-hmm. was it was a, it was it was it was very very painful to have a woke poet who I had a disagreement with um, refer to me as. refer to me as a sex worker but not using a sex worker and it wasn't painful because they used the term a sex worker because what they didn't because what they didn't understand is that you know they were insulting themselves Mm -hmm. like like 
one, like, this is the worst thing that you can come up with as an insult? Like, wow, like, you talk about how enlightened you are and how, how thoughtful you are. And the minute you're challenged on something, the worst thing you can think of is, is, is this? And also, and, and I'm only speak, I'm speaking from personal experience, I didn't see the term as an insult. Right, because what you're, what we're seeing there is somebody's own ideas of a sex worker or, or a prostitute or anything, a drug addict, a sex yeah. worker, an alcoholic, yeah. a deadbeat, uh, any of those things. They're projecting that that is their worst case scenario. That is their fear. That is as low as it gets for them. And to have to realize that somebody's insult is really showing you where you stand in their eyes. Or the people around you, you know, when uh, that's that can be so demoralizing. I and and, and that's the reason I quit Twitter. Mm-hmm. It was like I it's like to see 130 people just go to just um, to see the end result of. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know it's not the end result because people have, have thanked me for coming out and saying that and, and still choosing life, but to to see 130 people. Just you know, just um, uh, and just to just to just to just to just gut me mm-hmm. like 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 that and on a public platform. A public platform, yeah. And just was just, and it was really, and and you know, and then and and then then a month later, my mom died, and it was like, I was like, bye. Mm-hmm. It's like I just I couldn't deal with it, and I'm mm-hmm. and and I just I that what's so frustrating is that is that I I am not a conservative. I'm not even a member of the dark web. I think that there's so many grifters on that side, but. I'm just not a fan of woke Twitter. Mm-hmm. I think proofs in the proofs in the biscuits. You just got to show. You got to prove who you are, and also just kind of, you know. And I think there's there's a lot of serious conversations that need to be had, like when like when when the when when the when the when the conversation in the public square is cancel Maya Angelou. When the when the conversation in the public square is going after Susan Laurie Parks because she cut one of Richard Wright's murder scenes, like when the when the conversation is when the conversation's there, then I just don't know what I just really don't think that. That, that that woke social media is reaching or helping the block. Yeah, well, and I think we forget that social media, we are our most, or we can be our most polarized selves on social media. We can present ourselves any way we want. We can pretty much say whatever we want. And we forget that at the end of the day, there are real people who are living real lives behind us. And so when it comes to uh, like internet bullying, 
or ganging up on somebody or just or even just 130 people chiming in. That's not just 130 Twitter handles. Those are the people you see at the grocery store or that you go to work with or you, they are your friends or you see them at the bookstore. Like there are real people living lives behind this. Yeah. You're absolutely right. I I had a very 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 emotional experience on on Sunday. Mm-hmm. It was I was in New York. I had I had done a show um and I was I was coming back in the, the train system, and they had, and the bookers had had me um, at the um, um, at the at the Riviera Hotel in Newark, mm-hmm. and it was just, it's just a kind of a it's a lively old school black owned hotel, and it was just you know the the first um, the first floor was huge, and they and they had you know like it was kind of just. It was. It was. It felt like home, and you know, every time I go by, the game was on. But this Sunday, the game wasn't on. This Sunday, it was. They had the public access. They had an Amman. And 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 I just caught like the the second half of his sermon, mm-hmm. and he was talking. The part that I listened to was one of the most. Cot was one of the most poignant sermons I've ever, I've ever, I've ever heard, and he was talking about Malcolm X, mm-hmm. and he was talking about um, Malcolm X's influence and that how his how he evolved, and then he talked about how he evolved, and in regards to like issues of gender and, and talking about his you know compassion, and 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 also kind of he was talking about you know how he had ran afoul of the nation. And, and like, these, these very, just these, and then like, there's, like, six or seven, like, like, Muslim brothers. And they were, they were, they were around there, and they were poignantly, and I was listening to them, and they were, they were, they were responding back, and they were talking about, like, 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 felt, feeling that Malcolm was erased, and that his message of something that the more progressive messages that he had in his life and what happened to him in his life. And then I realized something. I was a mile and a half away from the mosque in which the, the mosque where they had, where the, the mosque where his gunmen were. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I just. I had to. St- I couldn't. St- I had to sit down. I couldn't. St- I couldn't stand up for an hour. It was. And it was emotional. Mm-hmm. And and I had and I had to call up and, and go up the, and go up um, the hill and go past Muhammad Ali and and, and, and Malcolm X Avenue to go to the twenty fifth mosque and just see it for myself. And I mentioned this because. Of Louis Farrakhan's Louis Farrakhan's involvement in what happened to Malcolm, mm-hmm. and I also mention this because you know there are certain segments on social media, bubbles on social media right now. If, if you say a bad thing about Louis Farrakhan, you're canceled. You can cancel me. I don't care. Like I come from, like, like. 
my 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 grand my grandmother, my mom, my my uncles, my aunts, we come from a sort of liberalism that was that was was trust but verify that like that they had seen radical politics and had the scars to prove it. Like my grandmother lost her um my 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 grandmother my grandmother lost her 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 bartending job because she wouldn't because she wouldn't pay grift to the Panthers, like my mom, like like my mom and my aunts would you know you know they would volunteer for um. Th- they, they they would volunteer for they volunteered for the two Jesse Jackson campaigns, and they until it became too hot for them to be there, and it became too hot for my aunts who were Jewish. Mm-hmm. Well, they're my adopted aunts, and it's like the idea of you know I grew up at a time like like, and forgive me if I'm going off on a tangent. Tangents are where what we're about. Keep going, please. Like I thank you, like. I was a movement like like I was I was I was a little movement nerd and I like like I grew up being the I I grew up being the guard dog for my mom and aunts when they would go to progressive um spaces mm-hmm. where where if where either you know Men would try to hit on them, and then and then, then when they would say no, um, they get mad, and then you know the OG, well nine year old OG gangster me would just be like, just be like, what you want, cuz? Said this ain't what you want. I'm crazy. This ain't what you want. Um, and or you know um, where you know where you know where they would have these sort of public town meetings that were. That were if anybody, you know, wasn't saying glorious glory to the highest power of the dude. That if somebody said if 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 they had feared from that script, mm-hmm. you know, they had hell to pay. Mm-hmm. So like when like when I hear and when I see people talk about progressive history in regards to the Panthers or in regards to um, uh, or in regards to uh, people like Amiri Baraka uh, when they kind of when they kind of say like oh that would kind of make people people saints I don't know what the fuck they're talking about mm-hmm. I'm kind of known like I'm my one of the things that I'm known for mm-hmm. is there is not a Nationally, is that there isn't a black poet who is a more vocal critic of Amiri Baraka than I am. Okay. Um, I think outside of the violent racism, sexism, and anti-Semitism, um, I just think that there's no outside of the ra- there's no outside of the racism, sexism, and anti-Semitism. Okay. It's like I think that. I just and I'm and you know I've pissed a lot of people off and I wear that like a badge, but um sometimes I focus on that too much, 
me pissing people off. I get a lot of flack on social media. Sometimes I focus a little bit too much on that. Um, so I'm trying to, like, one of the reasons that I went to, to um, New York was to let people know that I didn't hate them. Okay. Um, and that I'm just like, and that I'm also a writer too. Let people in New York know that. Um, um, but it's like, I can't dishonor my mom. Mm-hmm. I can't dishonor my aunts. I remember just, I remember just outside of the obvious aesthetics. I just remember just being eight, nine, ten years old, going from place to place, and and the only people that I could, like, like, I didn't have a stable, I didn't have, like, I didn't have a long-term housing arrangement mm-hmm. with one person mm-hmm. until I was 13 and a half. Okay. Because, like, my, like, my dad had enough of a name where it was like, he could say things like, I'm going to kill you and get away with it. And we were so, like, we didn't want to take that bet. Right. So when he, when, when, when he would show up to different places, he would have to. You know, when he'd find us, we'd have to. He went to Lakewood. He would go to friends' houses, and, and um, on we'd have friends' house on the water. We would have. We, we would. Um, we went to Portland for a while. Mm-hmm. We went to. Um, um, we went to. Um, we we went to different places in Tacoma. It stopped for a little bit when he sobered up, and my uncle um, Milton beat the shit out of him. Um, and then I went back up again for a while. Um, I never, f- like, writing is my way of trying to find home. I was just going to ask you, um, without the stability of, of a physical home, yeah. how you s- grounded yourself, essentially. I found it in places, I found it in, in the idea of the idea of, I found it in the idea of a redemptive aspect of love as a, in, in a, and as a redeeming, as a truly redeeming figure. The, uh, love is a truly redeeming thing to transcend to agony. And I'll read a poem like, in, the, in, in that way. Please do. This poem is called The Gang House Garden Thief's Love Ballad. For your garden, I will find you hot-cornered petals. I will put them in my crown royal bag. I will search past the weeds, the thickets, the nettles. Search past the suckers and their impossible tags and share with you my world in stems and colors beyond reds and blues, those handkerchief flags. I will give you my lavenders beyond the hard metals in fortifiers, concrete, and faded do-rags, for your love creates me. And love never settles for environment. So I'll work. I'll pick them. I'll snag. For your garden, I will find you hot corner petals. I will put them 
and my crown royal back. Um, I um, I, I wrote another poem in that kind of uh, way. Um, this poem is called "Said the Self-Taught Fresh-Eyed Nigga to the Grandbaby He Made a Book Nook For." Your wisdom will have no clocks, love. Your strength of street knowledge will have no colors or tracks, and the Ankh won't put a price on you in a protectorate of steel. Plates to the temple I will build to the east, my church to your future beyond my past. Here is a structure rebuilt from a blood dream. My life is a structure rebuilt from my blood dream. Here, what has been undone in beams I cannot redo but make an altar for. In irons, cast, in a wood marble floor, I'll erect what I tore with my Tims. Dear, I build but don't worship me. Prayers like designs aren't translatable. They do not judge or gauge. They disappear as restitution. Their layers encodes a table you can decipher in the dust. Quadrants are fixed, but your mind is infinite. Yes, I will shut up and finish. I, I, I read those two because um, Saul Bellow once said, um, if you have, if, if, if you have, if, if your home, if your base is the ground, then let your audience be the sky. Amen. Yeah. Um, with, before we close, Robert, is there anything that you'd like to leave listeners with? Any call to action or anything about yourself you'd like them to know? Or I just want to say that um, I'm really glad to see what's going on in Tacoma. I am uh, 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 I'm a fan of of several writers, yourself included. Why, thank you, sir. I, um, I, um, I wish, I wish good on, 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 on scenes and people. Um, I've, I'm working on a, on a novel now. Um, it's, it's called The Posers. It's a very, very, very complex satire of the, um, uh, it, it, it's about the most, um, the most notorious uh, gangster rap group from Tacoma that never was, and it's told by um, the, it's it's told from the story of 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 the de- deceased DJ's ex black conservative ex crackhead younger brother, who twenty years uh, later and in the midst of their of their of their comeback, um, the group's comeback. Uh, trying to find out what happened to his family and what happened to his brother. Okay. So I'm working on that, and I just, you know, wish everybody success and nothing but blessings. Thank you so much for your time, Robert. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to the Prickly Pear Podcast, which is just one of the many things that we create at Blue Cactus Press. If you like what you heard today, head to bluecactuspress.com for more podcast episodes featuring other creatives we're currently obsessed with. You can also find us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Blue Cactus Press. Also, shout out to our new podcast conspirator, Austin Sheen, who created the dope-ass music you're listening to right now and who now handles all the production for the Prickly Pear podcast. 
Lastly, thanks again to Hugo House for allowing us to record in their cozy space. And to our official sponsor, Oaks and Alder Day Spa and Apothecary. And thanks to you, friends, for listening. If you see us around town, come say hi. Don't make it weird.